The Heather McCoy Show. Welcome back to The Heather McCoy Show. Joining me right now is the founder of the Abolitionist Vegetarian Society, Sarah Woodcock. The group can be found at abolitionistvegetariansociety.org, all one word. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thanks so much, Heather. It's actually the Abolitionist Vegan Society. Vegan Society. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's my, uh, I, you know, it's early in the morning and I start wondering. Oh, yes. So, um, anyways. Coffee, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or tea, in my case. Um, for yeah. most people, they don't know what veganism, you know, they just know it as a food choice that they can make along with vegetarianism and those that choose to eat meat. Why did you establish the Abolitionist uh, Vegan Society? Well, that's a great question. Um, Basically, when I went vegan, um, I realized looking back at all my years of being non-vegan that there were so many opportunities where the message of veganism could have been presented to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I I was raised, I, you know, I cared about um, animal cruelty. I cared about animals. Um, I didn't describe myself as an animal lover, per se, but um, I certainly didn't want to participate in harming them. Um, And so when I... Um, finally became vegan after many years of just kind of having these nagging feelings, I realized, wow, there isn't an organization out there that that educates people about veganism. And um, I formed the organization to give vegans um, who want to advocate for veganism um, unequivocally the materials, the resources, the community to um, get the tools and feel confident about going out into the world and and advocating veganism. And then for the non-vegans, of course, to educate them that we have no nutritional need whatsoever to eat animal products, Uh um, that we can live healthy, happy lives, and that if any of us think that animals matter, we already believe in veganism. And, you know, um, many health organizations, both public and private sector, have come out now and said, um, animal products are completely unnecessary in the diet. We can easily get all of the nutrients that we need from a from a vegan diet, and that consists of fruits, vegetables, legumes, grains like rices and pastas, nuts and seeds. Uh-huh. So we're really here to educate and to help people channel their moral concern that they have about animals, um, the fact that they do care, into positive, productive decisions that. Um, are not only good for animals, but also very good for human health and very good for the environment and this this earth that we all share. Yeah, I know for me it's intimidating, the idea of going vegan. Already I don't eat much meat, but every once in a while I need to eat a steak to make my brain feel right. How hard is it to make sure you're getting all the nutrients needed in a vegan diet? That's a great question, Heather. I thought it would be difficult, and I thought, like, I've never myself had too much interest in um getting all specific about nutrition. I was never an athlete per se and never really into all that, but it's actually quite easy. And, you know, as a non-vegan, I didn't really pay much attention to nutrition. And I found that without even trying on a vegan diet, because the emphasis is so much on plant foods, obviously, Uh um, as well as mushrooms, that um, it's actually quite easy to get um, a well-balanced vegan diet. There's some basics that you need to learn, but I find in learning those basics, there are, 
there are nutritional basics that also apply to a non-vegan diet. So, you know, in making sure, typically people ask about protein, they'll ask about calcium, iron, all of those nutrients can um, be easily found and uh, eaten within a vegan diet. And basically the rule of thumb that I have heard is that if you're eating enough calories, so if you're not hungry throughout the day, then you're getting enough um, protein, you're getting enough of your nutrients. So um, that's a great question. You can go to our website, which is www.abolitionistveganSociety.org. And on there, um, you can look up the information in our vegan food section. We have information about the vegan food groups that I mentioned and also about um, vegan nutrition. Uh And that information comes from PCRM, which stands for the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Okay. Um, so I'd say it's it's easy. It's a lot easier than you'd think. And um, like I said, I actually find myself eating much healthier as a vegan, anyways, without trying to eat healthy. Um, and just to give you an idea of the different organizations, I gathered a list here. Um, the different organizations that say that an appropriately planned vegan diet um, is, you know, including um, veg- total vegetarian. That's another. Uh, named for a vegan diet, uh-huh. are healthful, nutritionally adequate, and actually can provide health benefits in the prevention and treatment of certain diseases. Um, include the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, which is known to be a conservative organization, um, the Dietitians of Canada, the National Health Service, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the Dietitians Association of Australia, Medline Plus, the Mayo Clinic of Minnesota, so across the board, both public and private sector are definitely saying it's not necessary. So at that point, this, this is when it comes into moral territory, right? If it's not necessary, then when we're consuming animal products, which always represent and um, mean that we're participating in causing some level of harm, right, some level of killing, some level of exploitation, some level of suffering, then it becomes this moral question of, well, if we don't need to do it, and it's just a matter of habit or tradition or convenience, um, that's something that then we want to look at and say, is that me? Do I want to participate in harming, you know, vulnerable animals just because I'm not used to not harming them? Um, And basically, once you see that it's easy to meet your nutrition, that it's not necessary to eat them, it's not necessary to wear them, it's definitely not necessary to go to animal entertainments such as circuses or zoos, um, once we remove this necessity and we expose our participation in non-veganism for what it is, we quick we quickly realize, oh, of course I want to live vegan. That that sounds like a fantastic way to live. Yeah, part of your mission statement is to um, fill. Uh, part, I'm sorry, part of your mission statement is to facilitate and organize grassroots movement of the abol- abolition of um, of eating meat for the lack of. Um, uh, for lack of a letter term, what is veganism's market share as far as total eaters in the United States? What's the percentage of them that eat vegan? Uh, that's a great question. So um, I always hear that I don't think there are any good numbers. Um, it, and it's interesting, too, because I think our numbers would actually be smaller than the number of people that eat a vegan diet. Because um, to back up a little bit, veganism in and of itself is an ethical position that is about not using and exploiting non-human animals. So you might even have someone who, and this is becoming a big trend in the United States, to adopt plant-based diets, and that's fantastic um, for the health, human health reasons. You know, that's great. Um, So I wouldn't, you know, I I think that's fantastic that people are learning and dispelling the myth that we need to eat animal products. Um, 
So that's great. So there, there could be a number of people that, you know, either have reduced or abstained from eating animal products. Um, they may eat a vegan diet, but that would be then different from the number of people that identify um, as a vegan. So that's someone who just takes this moral position, this ethical position, that they don't want to participate in, in harming animals unnecessarily, and it's all unnecessary. So as far as um, being able to survey and find out, you know, who are, what is our percentage of ethical vegans, I think it's very small. I would personally think it's probably less than 1% of the population. Uh-huh. But, you know, we, we don't lose hope in that because what we think is that you, you go up to any person on the street and you say, do you think it's wrong to harm animals unnecessarily? Do you think animals should suffer unnecessarily? Uh-huh. Um, people will always say, oh, my gosh, yes, that's wrong. You know, and then when you educate them that, well, did you know that by living non-vegan, you're actually participating in something that you think is wrong? Usually the, the response is, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. So it's really just showing them how they already believe in what we're saying. So at first it seems really like extreme. It seems difficult. It seems like very foreign. But then when we, we talk to them, we say, look, I was just like you. I used to, I, I actually remember myself saying I could never be vegan, right? Um, now it's easy, it's second nature, and it feels so natural to me now that I could never not live vegan. And um, another one of the things, so there's a few things I wish people would have told me okay. as a non-vegan. Um, number one is that if I have a nagging feeling about eating animal products, if I think it's wrong, if I think animals matter, if I care about animals, there's one and only one thing to do, and that is to go vegan, to stop paying for their exploitation and their murder. Okay? Uh-huh. Um, number two, that I don't need to eat animal products. I wish someone would have told me that. I, I was under the misconception for many, many years that it was a nutritional necessity. So that kind of got me on the path of looking for what I now call looking for the right way to do the wrong thing, looking for you know, cage-free eggs, uh, free-range meat, this and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, those, are, those are channeling the moral concern into, into ways that still cause their suffering and death. So if we're trying to get away from that and it's not necessary, again, we're back to veganism, okay? Yeah. Those are the two things. Um, you can learn more about that on my website at www.abolitionistveganSociety.org. We talk about why a vegetarian diet isn't the way to go. We talk about why those uh, labels like cage-free are just marketing labels. Um, of course, the industry wants to protect its its product, and they want to make it appealing. They want to make it seem humane, but um, a lot of people don't realize that in all animal products, there's always there's always suffering. There's always death. I know it's some. I know some people that are very concerned with animals, and they've actually built rooster cages or like chicken coops in their backyards if they have the room for it, and they produce their own eggs just to kind of get around the mass food producers. Mm-hmm. That seems to be yeah, kind of like a, a trend too. Absolutely, it's a it's a big trend, and. Um, Unfortunately, what happens in that is, um, you know, the backyard chickens, um, that is a big trend. And so the, the chickens, they come typically, uh, when people do that, the chickens come from hatcheries. Uh-huh. And a lot of people don't know. For example, did you know that at the hatcheries, um, they have all the eggs that are fertilized, of course. And when the birds hatch, did you know that they turn them over to see if they're a boy or a girl? And if they're a girl, they go off to be sold as property um, uh-huh. to become a laying hen. 
mostly to, you know, a factory farm, maybe to a small farm, or maybe to a backyard um, chicken person. But did you know what they do with the boys? Um, I'm going to guess just based on my knowledge of, uh, I don't know, if I watch Big Love a lot, so I'm, I'm guessing they're exiled. They are. They, um, the standard industry practice is that they're thrown into a grinder oh, um, wow. alive, or they are put into a large bag all together. So you've got these fuzzy little yellow peeping babies Aww. all in a bag, tie the top, and because they're considered waste, um, they don't need them. They're not profitable. They can't make money off the eggs. And so that in and of itself shows there are no ethical eggs. Okay, even the backyard hens, maybe there's a scenario where someone got a backyard hen from their neighbor who hatched, hatched it out, or I'm sorry, hatched her out. Um, we try and remember that animals aren't it, they're her or him, they're yeah. individual persons. Um, so, excuse me, so um, there are no ethical eggs. And what another thing that we have to remember is that even if, so the girl doesn't, so it's a, She's a girl, and she goes off to a farm. Well, what happens after a chicken can live for 10 to 15 years? What happens after one to two years when she can no longer lay eggs productively? Uh Uh-huh. Probably discarded like the males. Correct. Disposable commodities, right? So she becomes, um, most often, she will actually be taken to the slaughterhouse, and her thanks for laying these eggs that we have no nutritional need for is that her neck is slit. Uh. And she becomes, she becomes quote unquote meat. So it, it's all suffering. It's all death. It's all using these beings when we have no reason, we have no good moral reason to do so. Uh-huh. Um, same with the dairy industry. Um, when the babies are born, a lot of people don't realize that in dairy, um, the moms need to be pregnant in order to make milk, the mother cows. So they impregnate them, and then if the ba- sort of like the chickens, okay, if the babies are born male, well, they're not going to make milk for us. We don't need them. <laughs> Sometimes Aww. they'll be shot in the head. Oh. The moms have gestated They've carried their little baby for nine months. They're mammals. They're very attached to their babies. They love their babies. And so she cries. She will bellow out for sometimes days on end. Um, People have reported that if they live near a dairy farm um, on an annual basis, they'll hear the crying of the mother cows. If the baby is a girl, well, we still need to separate her from the mom because if she were to drink the mom's milk, there would be none to sell for humans, which we don't need. <laughs> yeah. So people don't often realize there's this forced impregnation. Um, there is this breaking of the bond of motherhood. There is the murder of the baby cows who are male. And the girls, um, they'll either go on also to become, um, I should say some of the males are uh, turned into, quote-unquote, veal. They're a byproduct of the dairy industry. And then some of the girls are, are turned into veal, and then some of the girls um, are just killed if they're sickly. And then some of the girls go on to become dairy cows. But, again, they are separated from their moms because we need to sell that milk. Yeah. 
I was it's just, a very sad cycle. It is a very sad cycle. Um, with the sad cycle, why do you think there's such hostility to veganism? Like, if you bring it up in some circles, they'll go, well, an Oreo is vegan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I think that there's a lot of hostility because it challenges many ideas and many traditions that we, we've had throughout history about um, oppressing others that are more vulnerable, um, weaker than we are. And it challenges us to look at our position of power. And, you know, if we have integrity, what we do with that feeling of uncomfortability when we learn something new is we, we identify what's the moral choice out of this situation. You know, I'm in a dilemma. I used to think I needed to do this. I didn't realize I was participating in something that was hurting others. I can stop. Um, the moral thing to do is to examine the way out and to make the most moral choice that we can, and that is going vegan. Um, on the other hand, if someone isn't in a place where they want to examine, um, you know, where they stand on that, they will sometimes project um, that feeling of uncomfortability onto the vegan. Um, they may know that the vegan is doing the right thing. They may admire the vegan for doing what they wish they would do. Um, but usually, yeah, we, we do get, um, we do get attacked, uh, for being, for being vegan. But I feel like, um, as a vegan, what I try to do is really focus my efforts on those who care. I feel like so many people care, but they've just never heard a clear message. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the large animal organizations, they will really water down the message. It's so crystal clear to me that uh, we don't, you know, that veganism is the way out of this mess. We kill over one trillion animals per year, including fish and aquatic species, as well as land animals. Yeah. Um, for food alone. And um, it's all unnecessary. We can, and, you know, sometimes people think, well, how could we feed the world on a vegan diet? A non-vegan diet um, and the production of animal foods is extremely resource-intensive because not only do we have to have land and water um, and energy for as inputs to create the non-vegan food and to feed those animals who then go on to become food, it's very resource-intensive. We would actually have that much more land, water, and energy freed up to create um, vegan food, and it's much more uh, resource-friendly to create. So, you know, there's always issues of food distribution and that sort of thing. But when it comes to food justice for humans and caring about humans and, you know, what is, what is fair for food distribution, it always comes back again to eating a vegan diet. So um, it's, it's the right thing to do um, all the way around. Yeah, and California is currently in a drought, so if we save the input of water, which um, you know cattle definitely take up a lot of water and, and that kind of farming, so and that would save out a lot. There's also the outputs, which is the methane buildups from some of these factory farms. Bingo! Yes, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Um, many people don't realize that the single greatest contributor to climate change today, um, with the greenhouse gases and especially including the methane um, is animal agriculture it's not transportation so again it comes back to you know veganism is about our direct obligations to non-human animals but when it comes to the environmental aspect what's fair to other humans being fair in our resource consumption um, as fellow human beings on the planet it all comes back definitely to a vegan diet and in our responsibilities to non-human animals it comes back to veganism 
What do you think about some of the new laws that prohibit people from filming or taking pictures of conditions in factory farms? Um, I think some of the statutes passed in like Missouri and Kansas equate doing this type of activism as it's equivalent to being a terrorist for al-Qaeda. Yeah, I, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, I have concerns about it. Um, I, I think my position on it is a little different from the average vegan in the movement. Mm-hmm. I have concerns about it for sure from a free speech level. Um, but within the animal movement, a lot of times the um, egg-egg laws, as they're called, are rejected on the basis of that they would prohibit um, animal investigators or um, undercover activists from going in and filming um, the cruelty. Well, as an abolitionist vegan, I see all animal use as cruelty, uh-huh. and we have a lot of undercover videos already that show that, look, this can't be done well, there's always abuse, and I think that, um, you know, on a free speech level, yes, I, I think that they're wrong. Um, on an animal activism level, because I don't use graphic imagery in my advocacy anyway, um, I... Um, I don't. I don't actively advocate against the egg egg laws myself. I, I'm fine if people do, but um, it's not my main focus. My main focus is reaching non-vegans who care yeah. and really focusing on eliminating that demand and showing people that they already care um, about animals, and that means going vegan rather than with egg egg and other sorts of um, legislative. Um, issues focusing on the supply side. Mm-hmm. I think that the supply side is all driven. Um, you know, all of those issues that come up, all of those sim- are just symptoms of the problem of using animals. We're always going to have problems. We're always going to have egregious cruelty, but we always are going to have the base cruelty of using them in the first place. One of the interesting ideas that you have to spread the message to go vegan is to show that vegan cooking isn't that hard, and you advocate cooking seminars as a form of activism. In the future, uh, will your website have uh, lists of seminars so people can attend in an area near them? Oh, that's a great question. So right now we are actually working on redesigning our website, and we have TAVs, what we call TAVs chapters, all around the world. Those are the local representations of TAVs in different cities and countries. So today we have um, TAVs Minnesota, which is led by myself in the United States. Um, We also have TAVs New Zealand, which is led by Elizabeth Collins and Bubs Peters. We have TAVs Sweden, which is led by Andreas Manson. And we have TAVs Norway, which is led by Anders Branderud. And those individuals, if you apply and, and run a TAVs chapter, they can create events on what we're going to have an events calendar. And we're going to promote the different types of abolitionist vegan advocacy that are being done around the world. Um, absolutely, to show that vegan cooking is fun, you can make delicious food, um, you can veganize pretty much any recipe that's out there, you can make a vegan version of it. So yes, we have many different ways, um, what we call creative nonviolent vegan education. There are many ways to engage in that in your own community. You don't have to run a task chapter to do it. You can go to our Facebook page, the Abolitionist Vegan Society, and you can... Um, Go vegan, and then if you want to educate others, you can take what we call the TAVs Challenge. So, yes, we plan to have an events calendar on our new website, so thanks for asking about that. Oh, definitely. Any thoughts you want to leave off with? 
Um, I would just encourage people, um, if you're considering going vegan, um, it's absolutely the right thing to do. I encourage everyone to read. There's a really fantastic book. It's a short but important read, and it helps you understand why, if you think animals matter at all, you already believe in eating a vegan diet. It's at. Um, it's called Eat Like You Care, and it's located at www.eatlikeyoucarebook.com. And I also encourage everyone to register on my website at www.abolitionistvegansociety.org. And uh, Sarah, thanks for being on the show. Do uh, you want to give your website one more time? Yes, it's www.abolitionistvegansociety.org. And thanks so much to Sonia for arranging this interview and to you, Heather, for having me on. Oh, definitely. Um, Sonia's Sonia sets up a vegan table at UCI and the Student Center Ring every Wednesday from 11 to 2 p.m. So if you're in the area, definitely stop by and see her. Oh, definitely. And and thanks again for being on the show. And uh, we might have you back for another talk or two in the years to come. Uh, Thank you. Fantastic. I very much enjoyed this. Thank you so uh, much, Heather. Oh, you're welcome. This is, of course, the Heather McCoy Show.